eventually, I think the Republicans, it, and it, it'll take a long time, but they'll eat their young, and, and then you'll see a, a shift. Democrats had control for, what, 100 years plus. Republicans slowly but surely got control. I don't know if it'll take 100 years, but it, it could take a while. But Had a whole civil rights movement in there yeah. that might have affected some of that. Well, we had a, had a nice war, <laughs> and it killed a lot of people. Well, know, we had reconstruction, yeah. and then like, whoa, Rick, whoa, Rick. we ain't doing that. No, not gonna, <laughs> we're not doing that's that. That's a bridge too far. When you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, you have to do something. Welcome to PBN. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter.com or Blue Sky at Braden Gall. My name is Jamie Holland. You can follow this show's socials on X at Pod Bless Nash or on Instagram at Pod Bless Nashville. Sam Stockard, our guest today, writer, reporter for the Tennessee Lookout covering the state legislative body and the session that is about to take place this week and begin to go into session january 9th of course a lot of stuff to get to uh, rules decorum kumbaya we've got a budget forecast and we're going to talk about how the body has evolved over time how the media coverage of the state legislative body has evolved over time the state and metro relationship we've got the school vouchers and we'll play a little game at the end jamie for all you folks to lighten the mood a bit at the end to try to keep track of some things that have taken place in our legislative body sound fun yeah, there's a footnote there, but I'm going to save it. Yeah, good. That's exactly. That's called a tease in our business, uh, Jay. I appreciate that. Uh, of course, before we get to our great conversation with Stan Stockard, uh, got to remind everybody, and if you were on Blue Sky, you would know this. I was not. <clears throat> people are clamoring on Blue Sky for us to get together, and as we said on our on our last episode, to get together in person. You got a clamor on Blue Sky? IRL, in real life. And we are proud because of our great and proud and amazing, wonderful sponsor, who? Eighth and Roast. That's right. Uh, the first Tuesday of every single month at 8.30 a.m. or thereabouts. We're not going to give you, like, demerits if you show up a few minutes For late. tardiness. Yeah. Uh, about or earliness. About 8.30 a.m. every first Tuesday of every month at the Charlotte location. We will get together with the PBN audience. We're going to have some... Special things planned for those particular get-togethers, but we're going to plan on getting together, uh, talking about what's going on in the council. Of course, those are on the first Tuesday of each month as well. Uh, some of the things that are going on in our community, but we wanted to get together. That's what we said we were going to do. And 8th and Roast is providing that space for us. So the first Tuesday uh, of every single month, 8.30 a.m., Charlotte location, 8th and Roast. We'll get together and shoot the shit. What do you think? Well, the has to be the first Tuesday of February because the first Tuesday of January they did not have a council meeting, nope. which is the first time I can remember. Normally, it's moved to Thursday. Well, and since everyone is listening to this during the second week of January. Yes. That's another reason. Yes, in, Two fact, reasons. in fact, it will be the first week of February that we have this meeting. Uh, we're going to try to work on getting some gathering. folks there. It's not called a meeting. A, a gathering. Uh, you're right. I don't like meeting either. It sounds formal. A gathering, a get-together, a social event, uh, drink some coffee, eat some delicious food from 8th and Roast, of course. Uh, and they're going to provide us that great space. So I'm going to have the B-E-C-C. -C. You're a croissant guy, huh? You, you never struck me as a croissant guy. I've been working on my French. <laughs> have you? 
croissant. <laughs> very well done. Uh, very well done. So, of course, uh, obviously, if you don't know about it, if you do not know about Eighth and Roast, they spend extra time and money to make sure that their beans are sourced ethically. They make sure that the farmers are paid a little bit a better wage, a more uh, accurate, humane wage. And we know that the, the coffee world doesn't exactly always get all their beans the right way, but these guys do. And of course, the entire roast process is done in-house, uh, locally owned and operated since 2009 when they launched here in Nashville. They got a location on 8th Avenue and they're in the airport as well. But most importantly, you can get their beans everywhere at a grocery near you. I go into the Publix at my at, near my house. I go get the beans. My wife refuses to drink coffee any other way than with the drip pot in her house because she can control all the variables. And now we've got the best beans in the pot for the wife very, very happy wife. Well, I guess we're going to have to recruit Kroger now or we're going to lose Kroger's opportunity with that pub, free public shout out. Well, if you go to Kroger, they've got them there too. You can get oh, Ethan Rose there too. Yeah. Super. But uh, what I don't like is if you say the S. There's no S on the end of Kroger. Well, according to my grandfather, it, it was. So he went to multiple locations every time he went. Usually, yeah, <laughs> looking for the cheapest possible pouch. Of beech nut chewing tobacco. There you go. Uh, well, much better for you, Eighth and Roast Coffee, than chewing tobacco. And if you don't like coffee, they've got tea. We've got new branding slogans for Eighth and Roast. Better than chewing tobacco. Come to Eighth and Roast. Uh, and again, first Tuesday of every month. How BBN, are you? better than beech nut. There you go. <laughs> how, how are you doing on the intentions so far? So far, so good. You, like, you've, I'm you're, leaning. You're listening to your wife's grievances more? Yes, I, I'm listening uh, or paying attention to the what the youth are engaged in, okay. like an application called Discord. <laughs> Got real familiar with the functionality of Discord over this new What'd you learn? Year. We're going to have a Discord channel soon? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, what I learned is I'm going to keep that private. But <laughs> okay, yeah, right. I see some potential and some uh, pitfalls of using that application for our show. But it no, it could be it could be very productive for us to have a place to have another location of community digitally, but again, in, in real life over at Nathan Roast. First Tuesday uh, of every month. I have finished two books in January, and I've ridden the bus. So I'm starting to check them off one at a time. I've read a new book. I read The Exchange by John Grisham okay. in the new year. I finished. Started and finished. Well, you, you're good at finishing. I just need to finish them. I finished Liar's Poker by Michael Lewis. Uh, I finally finished that. It was his first book uh, about Wall Street. Fascinating read in the 80s. And then if, I finished a book called American Radicals by, I guess it's Tamir Elnori, I guess is the name, but his name is a, a legend. He's an undercover operative in the FBI, and he wrote about how they were tracking terror cells in the United States. So really interesting stuff. So uh, go check out that. Those are the two books that I, 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 fin I finished them. And then went to a hockey game and took the bus home. It was great. There was no soccer game. Two bucks. Yeah, you, you can't. You rode the bus. I did. But no selfie, and I appreciate that, Braden. But, but I, I want you to turn the camera to the outside, what you see on the bus. Okay, I will. Not just backwards. Let's, also, let's, let's see it to the front. I also learned in this process that I don't have to do what you say. I can take a selfie on the bus because you do not, in fact, run this town. You are not Metro Legal. Hey, ho, that's correct. <laughs> That is not my words. That is yours. Uh, okay, Sam Stocker going to join us here. Yeah, we've already got a plus one. We're not going <laughs> to name that person, but she's definitely not a friend of PBM. 
but she's plus one on that front. Oh, she's going hey, around. One, one at a time, folks. One at a time. You are not, in fact, insane. All right. So Sam Stocker going to join us. Uh, looking forward to the conversation. Jamie, what, are your, what is your outlook on the legislative session before we hear, some, hear from Sam? I think it's going to be great. <laughs> for, for content? <laughs> for everyone. God. All right. That's it won't a, be depressing at all. <sighs> all good vibes, Braden. Good vibes in 2024. Well, our entire country is running on vibes, so it's fine. Um, all right. So with, with that pearl of wisdom and nugget from Mr. Holland, former council member and uh, attorney, Jamie Holland, uh, here was our conversation with the Tennessee Lookouts veteran reporter of the State House, Sam Stocker. Sam Stockard from the Tennessee Lookout joining us here in studio. Sam, thank you so much for giving us some of your time and coming in today. How are you, sir? Doing fine. Well, we've got uh, the legislative session beginning in, depending on when you're listening to this, this week, uh, January 9th, of course, we're going to take a deep dive and preview everything that's going to go on potentially in this session and try to guess at how functional or dysfunctional it will be. But I, I wanted to start with sort of your experience and how many years you've been covering this stuff and just sort of give everybody a quick Cliff Notes version of how you got into this godforsaken industry <laughs> well I, I suppose i could the easy way is to say that i wanted to be the next dan miller and when i was a kid and wound up working for channel four and with dan miller for a little bit when i was uh, an intern there in 1986 and then that turned into a job with channel four doing doing all the odd jobs the calling all the cops, et cetera, and started working at the Daily News Journal in Murfreesboro in 1987. And what is this? This is uh, 2024. <laughs> Here we right. are. That's right. <laughs> Sometimes I have to go back and look at a calendar to figure out uh, how long I've been doing this, but it's pretty been a pretty good minute. I, I started covering legislature a little bit in 1988, I believe, and then was uh, chained to the desk for – 20 years or so and then kind of got back into the reporting end of it the the layers of experience and perspective try to explain to people what that allows you to do when you see something come across the desk now the story whatever story it might be how important is it to have that those sort of layers of perspective and experience well well i've got decades of experience as an editor and then a, quite a bit of experience as a as a writer so i, I can kind of play both kind of helps me figure out, you know, what, what a story is, how big it might be. I'm just going to tell you, I'd rather be a writer than an editor. Does covering this, the, the legislative body take like a tran a translator? Like, do you need to, to really see what's actually happening? Like you have to sort of be able to translate it? Well, if you're an inexperienced reporter and you come up there and there are 500 people in the hallways and and everybody's hanging around and you look at all these people and you're wondering who, who are these people and what do they do and what's the story? You, you can get a little overwhelmed. So you really need to know the players and you need to know what the lobbyists are doing and what the motivation is behind the, the bills. And that's, that's half the battle. How has the relationship between the fourth estate and the members changed in the last 10 or 20 years well it, it's it, sometimes it's great and sometimes it can get a little confrontational i, I think it's uh it, it, it's just depends on the person i have great relationships or working relationships with quite a few of the republican leaders and then others it's can be a little frigid occasionally and uh, i haven't changed they have <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, how has the the media in general the co- I mean, obviously, we can talk about technology changing, and we can talk about the delivery mechanisms. We can talk about cell phones. There's a million ways that it has changed, but just the scope of the beat. H- how has the scope of the beat and the quality of the coverage writ large sort of evolved from the late '80s, early '90s into 2023, where 2024? Excuse me, <laughs> we're in 2024. Uh, h- how has that that changed? Well, first, I'll say my goal for 2024 is not to say 2023 and so so far i think i'm okay of course we have a skeleton of a capital press corps compared to the 70s and and 80s wherein they had probably 35 or so reporters up there and everybody was battling to get the story and the scoop or whatever and now we have every time i kind of go through and i can't okay how many of us are left we got this person comes in occasionally, and then we're here. Maybe eight, nine people reporting full time. Uh, it it makes it a lot easier to get scoops. I'll tell you that. Um, but we all get along real well. I wouldn't say we share information. We might talk among each other, but uh, I would say overall, it it's the coverage probably isn't not quite as strong just because there aren't as many people digging in. That brings up an old guard versus a new guard in the media. You're you're mentioning, you know, more of you back then versus now. What about the old guard legislator versus the new guard legislator? Legislator, what has been the evolution there? Well, I think it's probably become much more partisan in the last few years or so. In the '80s, everyone seemed to get along much better. And there was much more of a, of, of, a, of a split between Democrats and the Republicans. Not, I shouldn't say split, but uh, the numbers weren't quite as overwhelming as they are now. Uh, East Tennessee has always been heavily Republican, except in the Knoxville area. Uh, West Tennessee at that time and for decades was all Democrat and controlled the legislature pretty much. And West Ed, Tennessee Mafia. Yeah, West, West Tennessee Mafia, Ned Ray, McHorder, et cetera, uh, then Jimmy Nafee. Of course, Republic, Republicans would tell you that, you know, payback is a monster, and here it is, uh, if, you're, if you want to talk about McHorder and Nafee. But then, again, you know, McHorder, I think he had a pretty decent working relationship with a lot of the Republicans because he had been House Speaker for such a long time, and he kind of had to – you know, he navigated both parties and could bring people to the table, et cetera. I don't know if that's happening now. What's the lesson then? How do you, there has to be a lesson in, hey, we can uh, disagree, but still try to accomplish something. Well, I think some of them are trying to do that right now, but but it ain't happening. It's a pretty short answer. <laughs> you know, what I've noticed, and I don't know if this is a question as much as a statement, like used to even 10 years ago, members would fight like hell in committee over some subject matter but then afterwards after the day was over they go eat drink hang out shoot the shit be friendly there, do you believe that as well well there's probably still a handful who do that i know for example representative sam whitson and darren jernigan i know they're really tight that's a good example of you just burned them, Sam. Well, they, this is common knowledge. Uh, Darren's or Jernigan's got one more years 
Whitson has one more year, but this is common knowledge that they're they're pretty good friends. So there are some Republicans and Democrats who do get along, but then again, there are some who, when they get on the House floor, you know, they want to strangle each other, and it makes for great TV. I can't imagine who you're talking about. Well, you know, 99 members of the House, and Sam noted two of them from different parties get along. That was just that was just an obvious example. Uh, it's not a good ratio I think on the playground. Were, I think I did see some pictures of uh, Chairman Jeremy Faison and uh, Representative Jesse Chisholm from Memphis out doing some sort of hunting deal together, so... So there, so it's possible. It is possible that they are having conversations. It is possible. Okay, all right. But the votes. <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about passing something, that's a different story. I mean, you might you might go shoot a a dove together or whatever it might be, but the Democrats are having a really hard time passing anything. In fact, a lot of the bills that they come up with, the some of the Republicans will will take them as their own and pass them. I mean, just because they don't want them. Well, that's they, called getting. I mean, that's a smart way to get something done yeah. if you're a Democrat in the House. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, make a friendly Republican. If you really want that to pass, you get him to sponsor it and talk against it on the floor, and it'll pass. Yeah, I think it. I think it irritates them to a little bit though, because they want to get some credit. And they get none. <laughs> what kind of dynamics do people need to understand between? The House and the Senate. Obviously, smaller districts leads to maybe a different type of candidate. We know how the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate functions. One tends to go a little bit, I don't know if I want to say extreme or whatever the term might be. Is it the same sort of dynamic at the state level? Is there a different? What are the things that folks need to understand about how those two chambers work together or do not work together? Well, the Senate, they look at themselves as this great chamber of statesmen, uh, a staid and and a calm influencer of the legislature and, and they believe that they can they control everything and to a degree they do they shut down the special <laughs> session right sure did the house on the other hand considers themselves the people's house because there are more of them they're they're supposedly closer to the people uh, got fewer in their districts and you know that's where they they get into it a lot more and that's what you would expect too, to a degree. They just kind of hammer it out, and I, I've gotten kind of the feeling that the Senate might think they're a little better, and the House has a little bit of an inferiority complex. No, so it is the same as the U.S. House and Senate. Is what you're saying? Yes, <laughs> there's no difference. For the listeners out there, the pay's the same, the per diem's the same. The only real difference is House got to run every two years, and. Senate runs every four. Well, the House, you're you're constantly running, and you're constantly worrying about whether you're going to win re-election, and you're worried about whether you're going to get primaried. Right. Always. And they always say, well, we can't do that this year because it's an election year. <laughs> well, when is it not an election year? You're always running. Which which talks about a, a great line you had in last Friday's issue, even though you put it in a parenthetical. You said talking about the the Justins raising some money and how they might be using it for Democrats in primaries because they don't their their tactics are not previously approved. Well, I've heard a hand I've heard the names of a handful of people that they might want to go after, and I, I did the last time I interviewed uh, Justin Pearson, a representative Pearson. Uh, I asked him. Uh, he was getting ready to make a big independent expenditure in the Memphis mayoral race, and I asked him if he was going to be using any of that money to 
primary or go after Democrats in the House? And he said, well, that's an interesting question. But he wasn't ready to answer it. <laughs> and so, for whatever uh, Representative Pearson backed candidate Van Turner, who did not win, Paul Young was sworn in on Monday last week. Yes. Yeah. Van Turner, they, they're tight. And, you know, Van Turner's been, uh, you know, he was really the driving force behind taking down the the forest statue, the equestrian statue. I mean, he's, I mean, he could have been just as good a mayor. He was a pretty good candidate, but I believe that's probably where they're headed. They're probably going to be going after, and I haven't really written this, but they're probably going to be going after some of those uh, longtime Democrats, including some from Memphis that they just don't see eye to eye with. I want to talk about the decorum and rules. We'll get to that in a second because that'll <laughs> be the first thing up in the session. But what what is the impact of that? We we discussed, you know, you know, if a, if, a, if an independent voucher lobbyist wants to get rid of a candidate in East Tennessee, let's say, because they weren't as friendly about vouchers. They can come in and they can do that. Anti-gun. If you if you just like hint at the the idea that you might be thinking about something that is anti-gun, you get primaried on the right. What is the ultimate end game then? If that's all we're doing is, hey, you're not as Republican as me, so you're getting primaried. You're not as Democratic as me. What's the end game? How does the fever break, for lack of a better term? Well, it probably doesn't break eventually i think the republicans it and it could take quite a you know it'll take a long time but they'll eat their young and and it and then you'll see a, a shift i mean democrats had control for what 100 years plus republicans slowly but surely got control i don't know if it'll take 100 years it, but it, it could take a while but had a whole civil rights movement in there yeah. that might have affected some of that well we had a had a nice war and <laughs> As wars want to do. Yeah, that killed a lot of people. And <laughs> then we had a lot of people hanged. And, you well, know, we had reconstruction. Yeah. And then like, whoa, Rick, whoa, we, we ain't doing that. No, not going <laughs> to. <laughs> We're not doing That's that. That's a bridge too far. <laughs> and uh, it, so it took took quite a while. Democrats stayed in control. And now you can see kind of how Democrats really aren't even what they were and the 1900s and Republicans aren't right. what they were right. in the 1900s. So everything's kind of switched. I'm not sure what, anybody's what they were in 2005. Well, I don't even know what I was yesterday. Okay. Um, I think I did have to write my column yesterday. So that you can see kind of what I did. What's the end game. The end game is for a while is going to be a lot of fighting. There's, it's just, it's going to be a lot of back and forth. One, you know, Democrats are still trying to, they're trying to get a foothold. They're trying to get some uh, relevance and Republicans are still trying to exert their power and their authority and just beat them over the head every chance they get. Well, and that's, I assume that is why noise is what Democrats are resorting to on some of these issues. Like that is why we have the first part of this session is going to be about rules and decorum and all this other stuff that I think you said would take all of one minute to, to vote on or whatever in your column. It feels like that's the only resort, right? I think for, for the, for folks that believe in what they're fighting for that that's their only recourse at this point. Well, I'm hearing that uh, speaker Sexton would like for Democrats to get better control of the Justins, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think they've been trying to do that. And if they, only and he was can't. in a position of power to help that process along. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So we're going to see what the what the rule proposal is going to be. I've heard that it could that they might want the Democrats to sort of 
for it to be more of how it's done in Congress for the Democrats to say, okay, it's your turn to speak. It's your turn to speak. It's your turn to speak, which they already do to a degree on their, uh, on the big bills. But that's just, uh, because you can't really, it's, it's difficult to have every member of a caucus to speak on one bill. Cause then you get wind up getting 99 people to talk on one bill and it takes 10 hours. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to fly. And of course it still hasn't been proposed and there's some sort of meeting Monday morning. We'll see what comes up and then all hell will break loose. That's my prediction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's going to be more competition for attention coming in this next legislative sessions beyond just the justice. We we are in an attention economy, but you know, you mentioned representative Whitson not running again, representative Jernigan not running again. I think he's deputy speaker out of Clarksville. His name escapes me right now. Curtis Johnson, Curtis Johnson, several others. What is getting people with experience leaving the body? What does that do to the body and why are they leaving? Well, I believe Whitson would, well, he told me that he never intended to stay more than say eight years anyway, but I think he would like to stay longer, but he's just kind of fed up with the, with all the hassle. And I know that a lot of the Republicans, some who are the veterans or not, maybe some who aren't as much veterans, they are not fans of the way things go, but they just kind of sit there and grind their teeth. Others do a little bit more than grind their teeth. And I think some of the Democrats are frustrated too about everything's erupting into chaos constantly. But then they, but then they all, all the Democrats walked out in support of Jones during the special session. So they're, they're part of it. And, uh, what was the original her, question? Her, her, <laughs> it, what, you know, honestly, what it sounds like the answer is, is that the herd mentality takes over more maybe is the answer. The freedom of independent thought and speech becomes more dangerous, right? With experience leaving. Yes. I mean, the, the, f- Gloria Johnson, she was the first failed expulsion in the history of the state of Tennessee. Ironically for standing and doing nothing. Well, she was twiddling her thumbs. There was that. There was that. And kind of mouthing the words to the protests. (laughs) I've never seen such a... a Oh, that's the reason she didn't get expelled? I thought it was something else, maybe. Well, it, it would have been hard to vote to expel when she's just kind of standing there looking off into space and mouthing the words and i could have sworn it was something different about those three but anyway well yeah um, <laughs> the fact that she's a white woman oh i, mean, I, I don't know i don't know, that, I don't I know if that, that was it or not whoever did the video editing that was part of the presentation do they still have a job <laughs> did anybody I, review it before they played it on the big screen <laughs> well i hope they cash that check quickly <laughs> Okay, so outside of this, outside of the the detention, it, this feels like detention teacher coming in and like scolding the entire body is what's going to happen with these rules. Like this false sense of unity and security is hilarious to me, and again, a, a really good use of time and money, uh, even if it is just one minute. W- what are the biggest stories, in your opinion, getting down to sort of the actual bills, the actual issues that could be coming 
over the course of the next few weeks. Um, we can discuss many of them here. We're going to have a little fun at the end. We're going to play a little game at the end. Fun. But yeah, we're going to try to lighten the mood at the end. But we've got, uh, you know, the budget is a big part of this, the state and metro relationship. We've got vouchers. We've got all kinds of other things. What, what are the stories outside of the rules thing to start? You know, we have this conversation three months from now. What are the big tentpole items we're talking about? The one thing I've learned is that the things you think are going to be big early in the session are never what we talk about at, at the end of the session. Early going in, it's going to be the the statewide vouchers. It's one of those things where you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, because you're going to get hammered by the uh, the dark money if you vote against the statewide vouchers. If you vote for them, you're going to get killed at home by your school board people, because a lot of these rural counties, that's the biggest employer in the county. <laughs> what are you going to do? you got to make a decision. It's going to be tough. And so that's probably going to wind up changing the – could change the, the entire face of the, the House Republican caucus in a couple of years. Well, how do you rate that? Toss up, going to pass, I think it's not going to pass. I think it's going to pass. Okay. I mean, it passed – well, allegedly passed <laughs> – no, uh, I watched it four right years there. Ago, four years ago. Well, it did It did not pass in Texas. The almost virtually identical <laughs> bill with identical the identical conflicts that you're talking about. Well, it took After lobbying by Greg Abbott for many, many, many months to all those exact Republicans, they still were like, absolutely not. So I, I guess if you're rooting on that side of the aisle, or that side of the equation, I should say, that is something you're holding up as like some hope, I guess. Well, Sam just poured cold water on those hopes. I think. I think. I, I'm just making the case. I think that it could pass, but it's going to have to see a big change. I think the change is going to be that it's not going to be statewide That's for everybody. It could wind up being some sort of enabling legislation where if you're, and I'm just guessing, I'm just throwing this out there. If, you're, if your county commission votes to do it, then you, opt in. Then uh, you yeah, can opt, opt in. in. It'd yeah. be an ena enabling. Statewide for every student in Tennessee, that's a lot of money. That's a that's a chunk of change. But, while, while but spending, separate from TISA, separate from TISA funding, though. Well, well that's while, a that's a joke. While spending <laughs> while spending weeks negotiating or de debating whether or not they should take billions of dollars from the government. Well, I mean, whether it's TISA or PISA, <laughs> I, I don't. It, it all comes out of our pocket. <laughs> that's right. That's true. <laughs> What about the what, how, what is the budget forecast in your opinion, and how does that impact all of the different conversations that are going to be taking well, place? Well, you know, I think Senate Finance Chairman Bo Watson is, has already said we're going broke. We're not spending any more money, so that could be a, that could be a little have a, a little influence. The governor is going to have to get in there and really elbow some people around, which he, which have he, you noticed? Which he has never before? done. Which he has never done. Thank you. Uh, to try to get to get to get enough money to uh, pass the voucher bill. What is the opposite of a sharp elbow? Uh, you know, how people have sharp. Like, what's the opposite of a that? flop? <laughs> a floppy elbow. A flop. What? What? Like what? Vla what Vladi Divox did when uh, Shaq killed him every time down the floor. Of course, you got Bo Watson saying revenue is stinks right now. Revenue reports are sluggish. Money's not coming in the way we want, but yet they're sitting on $20.5 billion uh, of uh, money that they could spend that is allowed to be spent. It's up from, a, I think, about $5.5 when Governor Lee took office. 
Nobody really talks about it that much, but this is money that's just kind of sitting around in a variety of pots, departments, et cetera, that if they took it all in, if the legislature took it all back, they'd have they'd have enough money to fund almost a, half the budget, but then they wouldn't have it have all the money to play with later. That's beyond the rainy day fund. Oh uh, yeah, the rainy yeah. day fund is only one, only one point eight billion, which it'll take to take an act of God to spend a penny of it. So I don't know. I don't know. Why. I have not been able to figure out why they keep pouring money into the rainy day fund when they have absolutely no intention of using any of it. Now they did under Bredesen, I believe. That's been a while back, of course. Good news: the entire state is in a drought, so that's good. It's helpful. Uh, state and metro. Sam, uh, we, the states of these sort of, you know, I, I don't want to say they're that the, the Metro went four and zero here. That's not what's happening because there's they're not finished and concluded yet. The Metro, the size of the Metro Council, that's something that's still going to be fought about in court. The Sports Authority recently, the, the city just won that appeal or won that case. The airport, although that's still there, could be some new movement on that. The airport authority, of course, it, we already know that it's going to come back in a different form, where it seems like the state's going to try to take over all the airports to make it not a home rule application to Nashville's airport. Just in general, where do you see the relationship? Both sides have said out loud on the record that they would like the relationship to be more productive and fruitful. Uh, those are words, though. And in this in this world, words aren't always worth a whole lot. Where, where do you see that relationship going? Well, you would think that they could look at the results and see that the, all the bills they passed this past year went nowhere. But then again, it's because they did. It's because they did them wrong. <laughs> Maybe bad, the AG sucks. Bad wording. Bad wording. And nobody has standing to sue. What are you talking about? You would think that they would see that wasn't worth a nickel. But man, these guys can be a little hard headed, and there could be something coming back up. I have. I haven't seen anything yet. But then again, we have a Supreme Court who has shown that the Constitution doesn't really say what it says. Or it doesn't mean what it says anyway. And they will they could find a technicality and wind up ruling in favor of the state over Metro. And, you know, then, then they've got a little uh, ammunition they can come back with. Now, it's gonna, it'll take the Supreme Court a while to get to it probably. But it could happen like it did with the, the, um, the first voucher deal, which was, you know, found unconstitutional. And all of a sudden, it's okay. Um, right now, I don't see any... And I haven't heard of any efforts to smash Nashville again. I think Mayor O'Connell has played his cards correctly so far. He's met with everybody, talked with it, all the leadership, the governor, and I think he. I think they're probably going to give them, or the legislature is going to give Metro Nashville a little bit of leeway for now. So until, there's my and, there's my final answer until they tell them what what they can and can't do with taxes. <laughs> Coming up soon. Well, the governor's got franchise and ex- excise for tax tax reform on his mind too, doesn't he? Yeah, well, he's they're looking to uh, simplify the franchise tax. I don't know what that's going to mean. I mean, they're already hurting on business tax collections. Do they really want to do another cut? I mean, they feel, I think they feel like that's the way to go because the less taxes that businesses have to pay, then the more business there will be and Less tax is better, and but then again, you're you're cutting your revenues. But then again, they have a 
boatload of money they're sitting on. But but what what but what videos will work well in a gubernatorial campaign in twenty six though? That's the most important part of this. Well, right? cutting taxes is gonna cutting taxes is gonna work better. That's what it, all you need is that little footer thirty five second clip to work real yeah. well on social media in four years. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Years, it doesn't years. matter if you're not spending any of the tax money. <laughs> if you're sitting on twenty point five bill, do some shit with it. Uh, I don't know. Like I before, can think of a couple of things yeah, I could yeah. do with it. Do you want to? Do you want to take us into the housing zoning area, Jamie? Well, that's what I'll be working on: housing and zoning. We need more of it. We're in a damn crisis, and Metro has some ordinances in place that might violate some federal laws and recent court cases that they haven't boned up on. But I'll 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 stop there. That was your newsy portion of the podcast there, folks. <laughs> I don't know if I have any response to that. Anyway. I've, I've, delivered it perfect. I've delivered it perfectly then. Thank you very much, Sam, for, for validating that. You it know, sounds great to me. Former council member and current attorney, Jamie Holland, everybody. Okay. All right. I got a couple other quick issues I want to ask you about, Sam, before we get to our little fun game here at the end. There was a line in your recent story. Again, everybody go to TennesseeLookout.com, of course. Go support uh, what you guys are doing over there. Great stuff. There's a line in your story that says that basically some of these elected officials are hinting at that they want to investigate or look into, quote, the constitutionality of religion in state government. I don't know about you guys, but that is a terrifying sentence that you wrote. Um, this is the faith and state panel, I guess, that is going to be some sort of gathering of, of leadership here. What, what, what are we talking about here? What, what does that mean? The constitutionality of religion. Well, we already do. Uh, they put, what, $2 million into the governor's office of faith-based initiatives last year for this year's budget. And my questions about that caused a little bit of a stir and maybe some hard feelings. This appears to be, I believe it's Senator Farrell Hale's effort to get everybody to love each other. <laughs> it, but we've also got the Attorney General coming in, and we and we know that the AG, Jonathan Skirmetti, is a Federalist, and he would probably not have a big problem with a little bit of religion. Working Federalist society. Yeah. Federalist society working its way into the uh, the legislature a little bit more, or the state government. I, I sent the AG's office some questions about this and got zero response. Uh, I, if if they and I believe the uh, the re, the preacher from uh, North Boulevard Church of Christ in Murfreesboro is supposed to be coming in. I guess we're all going to sing without a piano. I don't know. For those that don't know, the Federalist Society has produced such bangers as Amy Comey Barrett, Samuel Alito, Brett Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch, Clarence Thomas. Just just some number one hits. We have a Tennessee Supreme Court member from the Federalist Society as well. Well, I'll be there Tuesday with bells on uh, to see what they talk about and report with an in-depth look at faith and state. Can't wait. So it's faith in I-N or A-N-D? I don't know. I think they just threw that in, threw that together. I don't know that it's got an official name of the presentation. According to the TennesseeLookout.com, it's faith and yeah. I, well, I I wrote it straight off what I saw. <laughs> I can't be held accountable for for what I wrote three weeks ago. 
Jamie, the U.S. Supreme Court is just that's that's Major League Baseball. Everybody's got to get their start somewhere. Okay, you, you know what I'm talking about over there. All right, reproductive rights. Training. No, I'm saying we also have a member of federal no, society on the Tennessee Supreme Court. Well, that's what I'm saying. Where do you got to you got to hit 300 and AAA before you can get called up to the big leagues? That's right. That's what I'm saying. Uh, reproductive rights. Is there a tiny, tiny uh, concession here by the Republicans on? Let, let's call it, I mean, it's very unpopular across the country and in most communities, but in general, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, but just Tennessee has one of the most restrictive laws in the entire country. No exceptions for all the the really extreme situations. Do you, could you see something like that? Just kind of get, giving back a little bit on here. So I think we have a life of the mother exception. Yeah, she has to be damn near dead. dead. <laughs> <laughs> The way I understand That's it. That's my interpretation, too, legally speaking. <laughs> there could be a sliver of hope for uh, people who would like to see uh, some change there. But, I mean, Richard Briggs, didn't he made a little headway last year. And there were, there were some people in the House, including some of the women lawmakers, who would have liked to have, I believe, would have liked to have done more. But then again, Tennessee Right to Life came in and started threatening people, and and some votes probably changed on that. But there's, a, I think there's a sliver of hope for for the folks who want uh, some some concessions there. Seems, seems like an easy political win, even if it doesn't change a whole lot of lives, right? Is what it feels like. But there may be a lot of issues, is what I'm hearing Sam generally say. A lot of issues that are well funded either way coming up for the next session it's hard it's hard for it's hard for the republicans to a lot of times to do what they think is right because as soon as they do then they're just hammered i mean these these groups start sending out these emails immediately i mean as soon as the as soon as the words come out of their mouths or as soon as they cast a vote i mean the emails just start pouring in from tennessee right to life or or you know or whether you know a pro voucher group Boom. I mean, but can you remember when was the last time a Republican or a Democrat even primaried that, you know, in any volume and got beat? Like, I think I think of the one, the guy out of East Tennessee, well, Bob, Bob Ramsey. Bob Ramsey. Yeah. That was, was that the deer urine guy that beat him? Yeah. I mean, we read it was in Brian a, Ritchie in, a, in another publication where Brian Ritchie got irritated because that's how he got into, he was inspired. There was some law banning yeah. deer urine. <laughs> That's how we got into politics. You know, we come to this, we come to government in different ways. Well, that's that's how you kill a big buck. You gotta splash around a little bit of deer pee, <laughs> <It's true. laughs> or or use it to or cover get your a bunch or get a bunch of outside money <laughs> from outside the state. <laughs> and before before Ramsey, in my mind, it was Deborah Maggard. Yeah, can you think about anybody in between those two? Oh, I'm sure there. I'm sure there were a handful, but Maggard, yeah, definitely, she took it on the chin from the. NRA, then Ramsey, he was uh, unceremoniously escorted out. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I'll, as soon as I leave, I will. But Yeah, that's it. All right. We're going to lighten the mood here with a little game at the end. This is Sam versus Jamie <laughs> in a game I'm calling Know Your Harasser. Are you going to keep score? Cause I, yes, I feel and I, I am. I'm, I'm the underdog, by the way. <laughs> I, I don't know. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> well, I don't even know what the game is. How can I, you be the underdog? He hadn't told me. <laughs> no. So here we go. I am going to tell you what took place, and you have to tell me who done it. You got me? 
Everybody, what do we have to do? Raise our How do we buzz in? What's I, our I buzz? Don't, in? I, don't, I don't know. I haven't thought that far ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I will start with Sam as our distinguished guest. And, and if he cannot and he chooses to pass, Jamie can steal. Then I'll start with Jamie. Okay, okay. And if he cannot answer, then I'll go back to Sam and so you can who, steal. Who did it? Okay. Are you ready? I'm going to start with a, t- a more difficult one. Okay. So we'll start with a tougher one. No, your harasser. <laughs> All right. Inappropriate touching multiple body parts during a legislative session. Jeremy Durham. That might have happened too, but no, incorrect. Repeat. Inappropriate touching in multiple locations on the body during a legislative session. Like, So when you say in session, I'm thinking on the floor. I don't think I don't believe it was on the floor. That's how our okay. my All brain right. works for session. So maybe not in the floor. I'd went with Jeremy Durham too. I don't know. Mark Lovell. I mean, he was a short timer now. <laughs> he was very I, I, short. Over one. Over one. I thought that was in the bathroom at the Hermitage. Okay. Well, yeah, I didn't. I didn't write down Questions. locations. I didn't write locations. Bad question. Okay. Fa- okay. Host is minus one. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> zero zero to minus one. All right. How about uh, we'll we'll go here's an easy one we'll start we'll go I'll give you the easy one to Jamie how about that was this? House District ninety five okay multiple assaults of minors as a youth basketball coach oh Bird there you go coach David Bird. Bird ding 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 one point okay but not to be confused with the coach Bird at Belmont because uh, David, we have we'll a, say David Bird God. there you go we okay, have a go. Belmont basketball star sitting with us I wouldn't go as far as star but Coach Bird. Uh, Rick Bird should not be mentioned in the same breath with yes. David yep. Bird. Uh, agreed. So let's not do it anymore. Okay, uh, let's go back to Jamie then because Sam stole that one from you. How about this? Multiple text messages after midnight asking for inappropriate photos from coworkers. Jeremy Durham. Yes, there we go. One point. All right. That was too easy. Okay. Well, you got the you got the youth <laughs> basketball coach one. That was pretty easy. Okay, I've only got a couple more here because this is not he designed. Stole, he stole my question. That's too. true. Uh, all right, this one also fairly easy. Uh, walking an intern to her apartment door and then paying for her to move after repeatedly inappropriate com- comments and conversations. Scotty Campbell. There we go. All right, now you guys are getting it. All right. Uh, how about simple inappropriate comments about your appearance and waist grabbing? This one's pretty vague. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, I'm not hearing anything about somebody that was potentially extorted and then the target of that extortion reported him to the tbi nothing like that that would have been paul stanley no no so i don't know it's a simpler i'm trying to make sure it's bipartisan and simpler it's too vague do you have an answer rick staples bingo there we go look at that good for the steal sam stockard wins uh you are champion on the first ever and last ever game of know your harasser just put the check in the mail (laughs) well i mean look i there there should be a question about like why does this continue to happen and why do we continually do this stuff? But honestly, like all you need to know is it's just been a part of human history for thousands of years. Well, unfortunately, I think there are two. There are two solutions here. Uh, one is to end the intern program. The second solution is to put a line item in the budget for intern sexual harassment. That way, oh we know that it's going to happen. And second, we know how much is spent at the end of the year. Unbelievable! It's terrible. I do appreciate. I do appreciate the the sense of humor, though. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, it's going to happen. I so know. just go ahead and let everybody know and how much they paid. I mean, and these were all like in the last few years. Like this isn't even going back further no. than like 2016, I think. Well, so. I, I would say back in the 
seventies and eighties, it was probably so accepted that nobody yeah. Yeah. nobody raised any questions about it. Has anyone seen an episode of Mad Men? <laughs> <laughs> well, one question here, out of order and out of sequence: How much are the members influenced or on social media, whatever the case may be? I would say quite a bit. There, uh, some of them are live on it, and, and they're constantly putting out uh, social media or their uh, X messages or texts or whatever you, you want to call them. You guys are weird to, for calling it that, I'm saying. I know, it's just bizarre. It's twitter.com if on the URL. Oh, I heard it only X was a ZZ Top song, but anyway. Just don't, just don't type in X on your web browser. Some of them put out messages constantly to try to burnish their conservative leanings and bona fides yeah to well that's the entire u.s house of representatives is recoup recoup their standing after screwing up publicly or not maybe not publicly (laughs) i mean we 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 are the people that can raise the most amount of money in the u.s house of representatives are the people that get the most likes on twitter that is not that the overlap is not that different anymore sadly not surprising and what about you do you meet a minimum required post on X for your job. I, think you, I, I feel Sam like you feel compelled to do it. I think one. I meet the minimum <laughs> requirement uh, because I, it's part of my job description. I mean, which I did one is not, the real one? I want to know. I did not grow up on social media. My mom and dad didn't even get me a Pong video game or, <laughs> oh, wow. or computer football. I was the one out. Bloop. I was the one out climbing bloop, trees and bloop. shooting basketball all day. I was not and riding bikes and doing crazy evil Knievel stunts. I was not the one inside playing video games, well, even, though, even though video games just barely existed at that time. I doubt you remember, but one of your final posts on X for the prior legislative session was the session that's being held up due to a conference committee on a third-party electrical inspection bill. <laughs> And <laughs> I remember that now. Okay. I remember that now. That was my bill I was working on. Oh, really? Was yeah, it? Thanks. Yeah. So. One of my sources. Telling uh, the world. One of the, <laughs> yeah. That was one of my sources. I, I was, I mean, this was all happening really fast. Yes. I mean, it, it was funny. You could look down the hallway outside the Senate chamber and see it going on. <laughs> That's the conference committee. People think it might be more ten elegant people, than what it yeah, is. Ten people standing outside the the legislative library. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Sam. What is your uh, parting message here to the good folks of Tennessee who are interested in what's about to happen in this legislative session? Any 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 parting shots of wisdom, with your experience, and your perspective on all this stuff? Well, the first thing I would say is always expect the unexpected. What we've talked about will come up in the session, but the big thing, we never know what the big thing is going to be. We had no idea it was going to be the Covenant shooting and everything that came from the Covenant shooting last year, and who knows what it will be this year. And the last thing is always read Stockard on the Stump first thing Friday morning. Amen. There you go. Uh, Sam, thank you so much for coming in. We do appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Yeah, appreciate it. Enjoyed it. That was Sam Stockard, of course, of the Tennessee Lookout. We here at PBN brought to you by 8th and Roast, our great friends down on 8th Avenue, Charlotte location as well. Again, reminder, first Tuesday of every single month, 8.30 a.m. We'll post it on, a, uh, on all the social channels, but we will be there gathering and discussing 
our community and what's going on in our community. So make sure you come by, swing by. We'd love to see you. Well, are we going to bring uh, some merch? Four star haters, come on to come on to you, four star haters. You're inviting the four stars. Four star haters, come on. They actually gave a rating, so I'll, I'll give it for that. They are hater for only giving four. Well, but especially all you five star raters, come on. One of my Come intentions on. was to actively seek out those I disagree with, listen to them, understand them better, and I guess that would include the four stars, I suppose. That's right. Although I'm not as harsh as you are on the on the ratings. I just want the ratings to populate, to push us up the, the rankings there. Okay, no, school vouchers are going to pass, apparently. <laughs> that, that's what I took from that conversation. According to maybe Sam. Maybe some reproductive rights stuff, maybe, maybe. But uh, I don't know, what do you think of the... And quickly here, just to wrap up, the long form, and we were joking and laughing about the Civil War there for a second, which is always a light topic to joke about. But you and I have talked a lot about the hollowing out of the middle and the, the pendulum swinging back and forth in, in, in the state. I mean, are we looking at 10, 12 years? Or are we looking at 60 years? Does something have to, I mean, the Civil War and the Civil Rights Movement fun, fundamentally changed the political parties at their core. I, I don't know what that would be in 2032 or 2036 or 2027. Like I don't, my, my brain doesn't get a, can't wrap around what that could be in our, in our political system. Although I guess something like Roe versus Wade being overturned has done something like that to a national effect, I guess, if you want to point to that. I mean, I would say it, it would require an effective, narrowly focused opposition minority party to take certain acts to target certain legislators as opposed to some broad-based appeal. Scatter. But well, scatter rifle shot, shot. Rifle yeah. shots, not shotgun. Yeah. Right? Maybe, a, maybe a bad bad analogy. Ad, that's, you, that's on you. Uh, it, it's an advertising analogy for the record. But like Sam reported Friday, you know, there was a lot of conversation going that there was some money raised post-expulsion that instead of targeting quote-unquote the opposition party, they're going to be firing shots at their own party. I guess there would have to be winnable districts if you think you could flip a seat somewhere for that to happen. And I think the only issue to the original question, which is what sort of sea change could actually happen to create some fundamental shift in a state like Tennessee? I, the only, I mean, again, the only thing that comes to mind in the last like 40 years is, is the overturning of Roe versus Wade that would, might actually you might be able to pick off some voters and, and say, look, come come on this side. We're going to take care of this side of the issue. I, I I don't know. But that would have to be tied to the very narrow exceptions that the state of Tennessee right. has. Right. So, you know, near death of the mother. Yeah. Uh, I guess a few others, right? Uh, rape and incest potentially. But again, I mean, those, those are not in ours. Those could be in ours. Yeah. But they're not in ours. That is what I was asking of, of Sam was what – what tiny incremental steps could the legislative body pass that would sound like a win back home when they're constantly running for office uh, and and still still puts us as one of the most restrictive laws in the, in the entire country? But in April, members of the House and uh, odd or even number of Senate districts will know who their primary opponents are, if any. And so sine die will probably come sooner than later, and that will dictate you know, what the body's going to look like next session in the 114th General Assembly. All right. Well, um, all the good vibes. Going to be nothing but good vibes. Looking forward to the legislative session. And, uh, hey, I even had a conversation this morning 
Braden with the client and I stopped what I was originally going to say and changed something, changed a word because um, my intention of loving Metro Legal more, I called their plan relative to the Arts Commission a strategy instead of a shit show. So that is a plus for me. If Thanks. you if you then, like, is this a sub-podcast? Like, what is that? <laughs> like, if you then talk shit about it on the podcast, does it count as fulfilling your intention? Did you acquire data that indicates Our, that they are not, in fact, running the town? No, just metro. I, I, I just used, I changed the term. I stopped okay, okay. So myself. You, so you were nicer about it. Yes. Okay. And that's All more right. love. Okay. Sure. <laughs> I, now I know that you're going to be my intention judge. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. That's thank my job here on the show. You, thank you. I will be your accountability partner. <laughs> stop, <laughs> Mike Johnson. Stop. I see what you're doing on Discord over there. I was going to call you Mike Johnson. See ya. See. See ya. Yeah. See is about. Let's all get out of here. All right. Uh, for Jamie Hall and I'm Braden Gall. Go to Eighth and Roast, everybody. We'll see you guys on the first Tuesday of every month. Enjoy the good vibes and the good feels from the legislative session. Check out the Tennessee Lookout as well. We will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening.